Reminding ourselves that things didn't start well in 299 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by English Dan. Hello and welcome to number 299. In his living room, as you'll be able to have worked out if you've got really sensitive ears and can hear the difference between the two. It is audible when I'm editing anyway. And Andres. Hello and welcome to English Dan's living room. Uh, Helgi would have been delighted to join us this week again after making his debut last week as our Icelandic correspondent, um, but he plays football on Tuesday evenings and we were not able in the end to record on Wednesday. I did suggest recording on Wednesday and then after Dan said that he could do Tuesday, I remembered that I couldn't really do Wednesday anyway because I'm going to a friend's house to get drunk tomorrow afternoon. Um, there we go. So yeah, because it's a national holiday, not because I'm... Thanks God he couldn't come because Iceland and football now is not a good idea. No. Indeed. Um, but Helgi will hopefully be joining us again at the end of the group stage when we hope to be commenting on Argentina and Iceland getting through the groups together. Maybe. But we'll see. No promises at the moment, but that, that's what we're hoping to do. I'll settle um, for one of them, to be honest. Let's yes. See. No, I mean, so, so will we. But uh, yeah. it'd be nice. To, yeah. Uh, especially given that I don't know any Nigerians or any Croatians living in Buenos Aires. So we do have. If it could a, be an Icelandic, then that would be ideal. We do have one of Nigerian heritage, but he's not in Argentina at the no, moment. No, indeed, and hopefully he will be on at some point. Yes. He's he's coming back to Argentina, right? Yes, he's still under contract. Super good, glad to hear it. Um, all will be revealed if you haven't already worked out who we're talking about. You might have done if you've listened to previous episodes and have a good memory. Anyway, Argentina versus Iceland. Uh, it wasn't very good, was it? It was a night, but I don't think any of us were really that shocked, to be honest. It was a game where Argentina always knew they were going to be up against a brick wall. Uh, Iceland showed essentially what their game plan is at these finals back in 2016. They defend in numbers, they defend ferociously, and they defend very well. Uh, very cleanly, they don't resort to, you know, to these niggling fouls like a lot of teams who, who park the bus let's say do uh, they invited Argentina to, uh, to give them their best uh, for everything and Argentina's best wasn't enough we can discuss why that was um, whether it's tactics whether it was a lack of preparation obviously uh, I'm sure my colleagues have been covering it on the last couple of pods I haven't been able to make that Argentina's World Cup preparations were less than ideal um, they didn't look particularly comfortable again in uh, on the field with with the tactical lineup, which had been worked on quite a lot in uh, in the days coming up to the game. But obviously, there's no substitute for for the big match for match experience. Plus, of course, we have to say that Lionel Messi is awful and should probably go and play for Catalonia. 
Yeah, he's, he's going to be um, stripped of his citizenship at the next opportunity. Along with San Paoli, I believe, uh, which was what uh, Diego Maradona was proposing after the game. Yeah, I, I think that somebody needed to t- point out to Diego Maradona that Argentina haven't actually been eliminated yet. Because uh, he <laughs> reacted in manners that suggest that uh, he thinks that, that, well, that suggests he's forgotten how the World Cup works. You would expect him, of all people, to have a rough well, idea. Well, he's been at a few, yeah. you think he'd know by now. But uh, here we are. Well, as well as playing for Catalonia, he could also get another woman in Catalonia. But, this is true. This is true. But uh, talking strictly about the, the, the game itself, um, I think that it may sound uh, repeated or, or something that it has already been said. But it was clear that there was one team with a plan and they executed it perfectly, which was Iceland, and the other team that, after uh, a promise of Sampoli that he will bring a, a magical 2-1-2-0-3-4, I don't know, uh, finally he got, a, a, and we previewed this, and it was like that, with a two uh, center midfielders, one of them who was awful, like Bigler, the other one who was surprisingly good for me, at least for me, because... Not that surprising, though, considering he did what Mascherano always does, It was absolutely no pressure it was said, But it was said it was a rumour that he won't be there in the, in the squad, and finally he played and he did it well, and I didn't think he would play well. And playing uh, ahead of, of Biglia, not uh, inserted into the line of the back, uh, centre-backs. Um, but the re- reality is that after that goal from Aguero, which seemed to be like the one who will put Argentina at ease mm-hmm. and, and, and manage the match as they wanted, well, uh, the following play, there was the, all the doubts of the defence were manifested in the, in, the, in the, well, mistakes from Caballero and all of the defenders who didn't clear a ball uh, didn't appear as risky and finally uh, well uh, after a lot of rebounds uh, ended with a goal from I don't remember the surname because it's difficult Fjord... his first name's Alfred I remember Hang on a second. and he speaks Spanish which was really impressive Higforsen I'm looking him up on Fjordnarsson or something like that Finn Bogerson, Finn Bogerson. Which, as we learned uh, from Helgi's appearance last week, is almost definitely not how it's pronounced, but it's how yes. it's spelled. There we go. Sorry to uh, the guy that came the other day, because it's embarrassing not to know uh, the surname of a player, the player who scored the goal, but well. Uh, there we go. Yeah, I'd say if I can add, if we had to kind of apportion blame, and obviously since this is Argentina and the World Cup, we do, uh, you, you'd have to say it's. A 50-50 split between Sampaoli and the players on this occasion. I think uh, Sampaoli erred in his tactical decision, particularly the as... you're looking for is shat the bed, Dom. Uh, I'm a gentleman, I don't use that kind of language. When you know that you're going to dominate possession to that extent, and when you played the formation against Haiti and the personnel against Haiti, uh, that is entirely revolving around the fact that you know you're going to dominate possession against Iceland, mm-hmm. so let's practice it. Why you then make such a massive change in the centre of midfield um, as playing a double five, as we call it in Argentina, the, the two defensive midfielders, rather than one of them alongside somebody like Giolo Celso or Eva Banega, um, I don't know. I, th- I think that San Paolo second-guessed himself. Yeah, basically. I'd agree with that. It was, it was a strange faux pas, but clearly one, he, you know, 
he wasn't forced into it at the last minute. He had this idea in his head and, and went through from it. This was, as I said, something they practiced all week in training. But aside from the tactics, uh, you've got to look at the individual individuals as well, the players, because um, so a guy like Marcos Rojo, who was in the team basically to provide the first pass out of, out of defence and get the team going, was awful and played essentially like a player who hasn't had any game time at all for a year. Strangely enough, that. Um, Di Maria, in particular, I thought, uh, was a guy that Argentina really needed to, to show up in this, in this kind of system as, you know, kind of probing out wide and getting into the box. And I know the bar isn't particularly high, but even so, it's probably the worst I've ever seen him play for Argentina. A mix of this kind of intranscendence, if that's a word. I'm just making up words now. Uh, and when he did get the ball, uh, the the usual the usual stuff from Di Maria crosses into defenders' legs, crosses that go long, crosses that shouldn't have been played in the first place because all of Iceland players were about seven feet tall and. If you've got Messi and Aguero in the box, they're not going to win it. It's in the as old. It's I think it's as old as football. This of a team being all of their men in their box, and the other team that can't break that defense. And it's very, very. Well, of course, it's e easy to say not to to make or to uh, try to move yourself mm. to open that that defense. But uh, yes, they couldn't. And that example of the Maria. Uh, Uh, trying to cross the ball when when they he had the the, the defender uh, just with him, also uh, it's something typical. But yeah, I remember when Pavon came on late in that game, way too late because only one play. It was a change that should have been made at half time, but I think he came on in the end in 75 minutes. So there was a couple of times where Pavon probed down the left wing, looked like he was about to put a useless cross in, but stopped and played the ball back to try and get more people into the attack and. And so get things moving. It's like, wow, and, and this is a guy who has a reputation of being another Buckethead. So if Buckethead is outplaying Di Maria and Di Maria is being more of a Buckethead than the Buckethead, who is the real Buckethead? Just just the, same as, the same as Salvio, who he did it once, that of dribbling and, and going to the, to, the side, to the line and trying to cross uh, that, that, that play in which it was uh, protested because they thought it was penalty. But after that, he didn't do that anymore. Uh, like you said, uh, and, and similar to Pavon, uh, trying to uh, bring in the ball back instead of going ahead. And the other thing is that I don't usually agree with TV journalists, but I heard something that I think is like that, which is that Sampoli uh, practiced a lot with Lo Celso. And finally, when he had to come into the match, Um, to replace Biglia, the one who came into the match was Banega. He hadn't been fit in the week either, yes. which mm. made it curious as well. It was a curious uh, coaching game from Sampaoli, to put it very kindly. Yeah, I, I just, as I said, I, I think he's been second guessing himself because he's not had, I guess, because he's not had the opportunity to um, get exactly the squad that he's wanted all the way through his year in charge of the national team so far and because of the pressures of the qualifying that he came in with um, the results were more important than performances early on and it's sort of 
it, it, it's a bit weird. It's as if that comment that he made after the Haiti friendly about how Iceland are going to play a very similar game to Haiti. It's as if somebody had afterwards pointed out to him, actually, you know, Iceland are quite a bit better than Haiti. And he started <laughs> going, oh, well, maybe that means I should do this instead. And he's kind of, I mean, he's, he wasn't managing from his convictions, mm. I, I don't think, given, you know, what we saw of particularly his Universidad, Catol- uh, Universidad de Chile and, and Chile teams. Um, it, it just it didn't look like a San Paoli team to me, but then Argentina haven't looked like a San Paoli team particularly. No, and it was a strange it was a strange reading of the game beforehand as well because I think anyone who's seen Iceland knows they like to attack with these diagonal balls put into the put towards the corner flag, get forward very direct, and and that wasn't the team that San Paoli set up to stop. Mm. You can't say it was because he didn't have any intention of stopping them just to outscore them because clearly he did have intention of stopping them but just in the wrong way he had two very defensive central midfielders there who were pretty much passengers the whole game watching these long balls fly over their heads while the defence creeped a fair bit uh, unfortunately yeah. and, also, and then in the second half just not really doing very much at all because Iceland were quite happy to take the point indeed um, and, and didn't really you know through partly through their own choice and partly because Argentina, it has to be said, in some respects were good. They dominated possession, if nothing else. Um, Iceland was struggling to get out of their, their half, but it was... And I think he also made mistakes talking. Of course, it's easy to say it now that Argentina couldn't defeat Iceland, but apart from that phrase that you, you mentioned, that uh, he thought that Iceland would be similar to Haiti, finally it, proved, it was proved that they weren't the same team or similar teams. Apart from that, when he said that this will be the team of Messi, that was another big mistake because if you think like that and say that, you are putting the other player, their players behind Messi. And if the players think that Messi is the best and they, he can solve all of the problems, if you say that, they will think it even more. And, well, uh, Messi was down the other day, uh, missing a penalty, not playing the, his best, play, best uh, game. And well, so what do you, what are you going to do when this happens? Nothing, because Messi appears to be the one who saves Argentina, and if he's not in his day, yeah, this is um, it's something that uh, one of the uh, journalists who I occasionally refer to as a friend of Hand of Pod, although he's never been on, Ezequiel Fernandez Mons, um, has mentioned a few times in in his columns that this he calls it the desmedida respeto, uh, the the unmeasured or, or the, the disproportionate respect that San Paoli seems to have for Messi. I mean, obviously, all Argentine managers, all Argentina managers during Lionel Messi's playing career um, have seen him as the key member of the team and have tried to build the team up in various different ways in order to get the best out of Messi or in order to take advantage of, of Messi's gifts. Um, and you, you have to do that. But San Paoli seems to be doing it in such a way that, as you say, he's kind of convinced everybody else in the team that they're not that good. <laughs> Whereas, at least with the previous managers, it was this kind of, yeah, they'd be standing around sometimes and waiting for Lionel to sort it all out for them. But you got the impression, well, this isn't what the managers told them to do, clearly. And at the moment, you, I'm almost thinking, it kind of... I mean, it can't be what the managers told them to do. But given the stuff that he says all the time, whenever he goes into a press conference, it kind of feels like it is. It, it's just... It's bizarre. Yes. And, you know, I, 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 I can't 
don't speak for Dan and Andres in this, but I'm talking as somebody who, when San Paolo was manager of Universidad de Chile, and when he was manager of the Chilean national side, I thought he was doing great work. Oh, he um, did do great he's, work he's by any objective standards. But yeah. I just wonder whether, in part, it's this, shit, this is the job I've wanted all my life, this is my country, I'm managing him in a World Cup, and whether that's making him doubt himself or something, it, it seems it's a bit, peculiar. It's, it's something also peculiar with the managers that, or the coaches that uh, had previous great campaigns and when they went to the Argentine national team, they couldn't prove that. Uh, I talked about, for example, well, Sabela was finalist, of course. He had already been finalist of the uh, Club World Cup with Estudiantes, mm -hmm. playing against Barcelona. Uh, Bausa was uh, champion of the Copa Libertadores with two different teams. Uh, Martino was finalist or semi-finalist with Newell's. Um, as a coach, right. at least. As a coach, I'm not sure, but he won the they, league. They did both semi finals. Semi finals. Yeah. Well, well, not oh, of finals. course, yeah, right after winning the league. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so they were coaches that uh, they had their merits in the. Well, San Paoli being champion of the Sudamericana and then champion, champion of the Copa America with, with Chile. So. It's, it's strange, it's something weird. You sort of asked, answered your own question there, Andres, because we've just named four different coaches and all four of those coaches have come in the last four years. There's, yes. If you're changing your coach that often, then yes, there's just no way you can develop a proper style which is more uh, intricate than ah, give it to Messi and, and yeah. see what the kid can do. Yeah, uh, which is why I tweeted after the game, after the Iceland match, that the AFA's biggest mistake at that moment to me felt like it was pissing Gerardo Martino off so much that he left of his own accord because he hadn't been paid for months and he was getting fed up of not having players released for the Olympic squad um, you know that, that was a form of creative dismissal which was easy to carry out perhaps from a political point of view or a PR point of view from the AFA at the time because obviously Gerardo Martino is an awful manager he's literally the worst thing ever to happen to football among quite a large proportion of, of football fans if you're a Barcelona fan or an Argentine who's not a Newell's fan Um, but in actual practical terms and looking at the fact that actually Gerardo Martino maybe isn't the worst manager of all time no not at when all when you look at who he got replaced no. with and how that went for them maybe they would have been better just going yeah you know what let's um, put their faith in the manager no completely let's pick his squad for the Olympics let those players train pay him the money he's owed and his, back, and his backroom staff and try and keep him happy because a stable team is going to stand a better chance of winning a World Cup particularly in an environment where we have a national team that is spread out all over, all over the world playing their club football or certainly all over a couple of continents um, and that is a disadvantage when you're competing with countries like Germany, France, Spain and as it turns out, Iceland. Yeah, that's correct. My one major gripe with Martina, which you know, obviously this is two years ago so it's water under the bridge but uh, that he had the chance to start renewing the, the Argentina team which I believe reached its peak uh, with the 2014 final and he didn't you know use the the two Copas America as basically a last hurrah no, one no, could was, possibly yeah. the, be the last hurrah but that period between 2015 2016 was the time to start bringing in new players you had a, a guy like Mauro Icari who is clearly one of the, the best strikers in Europe He'd made a single appearance for Argentina at the end of 2013 in a Deb qualifi qualification match and then just disappeared off the face of the earth. Neither Savela nor Martino 
no Bowser. And for that matter, took him into account again. A guy like Lo Celso wasn't considered by, by Martino. Uh, there's a few of them. Uh, we were just overlooked and it feels like San Paoli wants to do this, but he's kind of caught between uh, a rock and a hard place because uh, he wants to renew the squad, but he has no time to do it. He has to kind of stick yeah. with this base of players who were great in 2014. They battled to the final, but it's four years ago, and four years ago is, um, is a pretty long time in, in football. Yeah, absolutely. As, as we saw from Germany, particularly, I think um, I, I've posted occasionally on a football forum uh, where one of the users after, after after the Mexico Germany match said that this World Cup feels like it's four years too late and four years too early for Germany. Mm. Um, and I think that in in a way you could say something similar about Argentina, perhaps with the added. But the players could be there. That's about who the manager's been over that period yeah. of time. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's. Uh, Obviously, Martino wasn't without his problems as well, but I just feel like a bit of extra solidity in that position and, and a bit of continuity would have probably seen them through because he had also got them to two consecutive finals. Um, and, you know, OK, they probably deserved to lose the first one, but they were unfortunate to lose the second one, if I've got that the right way around. They kind of blended into one. It might be the, the other way around. Uh, I think both of them, so, they could have won, right? But well, they both went to penalties. He was, yeah. So in that respect, yes. But I, it, as I remember it, there was one of them in which Chile were clearly the better side, and there was one of them in which Argentina were clearly the better side. Was the 2015 one when Marcus Rojo got sent off? And that kind of knocked him out of whack? Can't remember. I think it was one of them. Someone got sent off anyway. And I think it was Marcus Rojo. Another reason why he shouldn't be anywhere near this team. But who would you bring in? You know, we said before the tournament that there wasn't really anybody in the squad who we thought didn't really deserve to be there, and there wasn't anybody who wasn't in the squad who we would have brought in. And no, I think part of that was the fact that there just there simply aren't very many options yes. in certain positions. I think, of course, if he hadn't got injured, uh, Emmanuel Mamana would have been a big. A big shout for this World Cup. Or Ezequiel Garay, given that that stuff about him asking not to be called up was apparently complete rubbish. I don't know, Garay's a name that always seems to spat up on Twitter, but <laughs> someone like, uh, no one in the Argentina team mentions him, he's never been into account, yeah, taken into account, so there's definitely some reason why he's not in the team. That's not uh, down to his form. The final in which Rojo was sent off was the 2016 one, by there the way, are. just before half-time. Lovely stuff. Oh, and I've forgotten that Marcelo Diaz was also sent off for Chile in that final. Yeah, I think Diaz went yeah, first, no, yeah. Argentina had the advantage, and then Rojo got himself idiotically sent off, yes. if I remember the chronology correctly. You do. Excellent. Um, That's what I'd like to hear. Anyway. Should we talk a bit about uh, Argentina-Croatia? or We could, couldn't we? Uh, there are plans being made. Some of them, to me, in a way, feel a little bit like San Paoli might have gone, basically listened to what I was saying a few minutes ago and gone, yeah, maybe I should play with my convictions. First um, of all... Because first of all, they're moving to the back three. First of all, first of all, go on, could I pose a question to you two fine gentlemen as Argentina fans, I'm assuming, and as River fans? You can. Uh, if... Franco Armani doesn't stay, doesn't start the game against Croatia. Does San Paoli deserve to be publicly horsewhipped? I uh, have given my opinion to this of uh, 
in response to that question on Twitter and also on Hand the Pod Extra, uh, which went up on uh, whenever it was on Sunday night for our Patreon followers. Thank you very much, by the way, for being a Patreon follower if you are one. And if you're not, then get over to Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash Hand the Pod. I promise you, I didn't ask Dan to ask uh, to ask this question, but it is a good opportunity to plug it. So why not? Um, but I, I think that. If if I was Sam Pauli right now, I don't know what I'd do. I, I do know that if I was Sam Pauli, and a few weeks ago Sergio Romero had told me, "Look, I've got this knee injury, but the, the surgeons have told me that I'll be fine by the Iceland game, like with a ninety percent <laughs> probability or whatever," which apparently is what was said, I would have gone, "Okay, I'll get on the phone to Noel Guzman, ask him to come along as a fourth goalkeeper and a twenty fourth member of the squad, because I've got until the day before the first game, if we decide that you're not fit, to to call another goalkeeper up." And then had Romero in and given it until the latest possible moment before dropping him out. Having made that decision not to, um, I don't know who I would have chosen in goal. I might have I suspect, jumped for Guzman, you know. I think Funny that enough. I would have gone for Armani mm. over Caballero because of the terrible performance from Caballero in the Spain friendly and because of the fact he didn't really have anything to do in the high team match. Mm-hmm. Um, and after... The, other, the game the other day, where for me, Cavachero was at fault for the Iceland goal. Not not entirely at fault, all on his own, because the defenders also should have picked their men up. But, you know, if Cavachero doesn't spill that pass into the, the path of uh, Finboxen, then it doesn't get scored. Um, I would be very tempted to drop him. But then you're bringing in somebody else who's going to be making their competitive debut, yeah. whoever it is. This is a thing. And so you're it's kind of stuck the devil in the deep yeah. sea. Yeah. Uh... The match for, for Armani to be in the goal was against Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now it's unfair for, for him to be against Croatia, with, against Mansukic. Uh, and, and that will be enormous pressure for him because he will know that another mistake from him will again put him out and... Uh, also put, put Argentina out of the World Cup, perhaps. So uh, it's very, very difficult. And uh, now I, I think he must uh, insist with Cachero. Unfortunately, yeah. because uh, I also think Cachero, and I, I already said that he, he, was, uh, uh, he, he, he was partly his mistake in the goal of, uh, of Iceland. But now I think he has no choice and it's this it. And... Mm. And putting our money will be very, very painful for Cavallero and also unfair for our money because now it will be Modric, Rakitic, Mansukic, Perisic, uh, with perhaps a more, more lot to do. Well, what I would say is that if Armani, uh, if, if Cavallero, sorry, makes another cock up against Croatia, and if Argentina still come out of that match with knowing that a win against Nigeria will will see them in, then I probably would put our money in. I tend it's to agree. Three, I'd, three yeah. matches. And cock ups and all of them would be too much. I tend to keep faith in Kawashira. I don't think you can really judge a keeper on one game and one mistake because he made a couple of saves against Iceland as well. I do have another idea though, which for someone like Sampaoli could just be a little bit interesting. Kawashira in the first game, Armani against Croatia, and Guzman against Nigeria. And then he just picks the best for the knockout stages. Go on, Jorge, do it. And brings Cavachero off the bench in the 120th minute if it's going to go to penalties. Exactly, yeah. Because by all accounts, Cavachero was the best uh, at saving spot kicks of the three of them. Um, there we go. The uh, solution yeah. is there. It would be tempting. I, I will say that 
I was thinking it the other day as well that I, I can't really think of many World Cup winning teams or all World Cup winning teams <laughs> like carry one of their players or a, not all of them maybe but a, a lot of them do you've got Stefan Givash for France in 1998 who's the centre forward who nobody now even remembers was playing for France because the midfield did everything for him um, you know you've got sort of a player in, in having one bad player in an outfield position doesn't seem to matter that much to a country's chances mm. of winning the World Cup as long as everybody else is pulling their weight properly but I can't really think of any examples where a team have successfully carried the goalkeeper all the way <laughs> to the trophy or even to the final no possibly Spain in 2010 but I don't think Casillas had even anything there, to do even then the goalkeeper in that team is Ica Casillas yeah. so they have the, the they have something in their heads which is saying if by some miracle the opponents actually manage to get the ball off us for long enough to fashion a shot we've got Ica Casillas behind us so it's fine and, and that also helps the team whereas thinking the same way and going right we're going to have to dominate possession because we've got this dickhead behind us who's definitely going to let in a shot if they get a shot on target that um, is a problem is, is a bit more I imagine that it plays more on the minds of uh, Messrs Rojo and Otamendi who as they showed against Iceland are not necessarily the best players at bringing the ball out of defence as it is no definitely not and Croatia, though, yes the rest three, of the changes apparently uh, the the formation that has been used in training today has had Cavachero. No, actually, they, they didn't have a goalkeeper, did they? They had the three goalkeepers all are training separately, yes. apparently. But the outfield players were lined up um, with Gabriel Mercado coming in for not Eduardo Salvio. So just wait and wait a little bit, and then Nicolas Otamendi in between Mercado and Nicolas Tagliafico. So Mercado is actually coming in for Rojo if we're doing a like-for-like comparison, mm-hmm. just names-for-names, names, compared with the team that's, that went out against Iceland. Um, a line of four just ahead of them, although I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying it's like a 3-3-1-3 um, or a 3-3-3-1 with, with this line of three, but I think it's going it's to be... It's academic, like really, to be honest, once the game starts. Indeed, yeah. With, I mean, I, I suspect that Enzo Perez is going to be, um, or Maxi Mesa, one of the two, alongside Javier Mascherano rather than in front of him. And with um, the full-backs uh, or wing-backs of Eduardo Salvio and uh, what's the... Marcos Acuña. Marcos Acuña. Nicolás Acuña. No, no, that's not right. Um, and then Lionel Messi on the right. Christian Pavon on the left. I've seen Messi in the hole and Pavon and Aguero as like orthodox forwards. Yeah, but Uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see which which way that ends up being because one of the other things I was thinking against Iceland is I remember Messi when he you know when he came through for quite a few years, both for Barcelona and for Argentina, played as an inside right or or a sort of inverted right winger, Um, and I just wonder whether he'd get a bit more space in that position now. He knows how to do it. Yeah, you're taking him away from the centre of the action, but you're also throwing him a bit further up the pitch and. Maybe that could work. But it's I mean, possible, we'll see, yeah. I, I guess one of the, the, the nice things about the system that, that's being tried out now, if this is the system Sam Pauli is going for and if it's the personnel that Sam Pauli is going for to fill it, um, is that there would be that option of Messi dropping out to one of the wings if he wants to. Yeah, I can certainly see more logic to it on paper than I could against Iceland. I can see that Argentina, if they want to go toe-to-toe with Croatia in the midfield... If they want to take take on Modric and Rakitic at their own game, they're probably going to lose. They're two of the best midfielders in the world, and you know their record speaks for themselves. What they really need to do is bypass uh, those two, 
sort of uh, like Iceland did against against Argentina, perhaps in a in a slightly more stylish way. Um, and if they can get Messi out on on that right wing or get Pavon in a bit of space, uh, I think we'll see that really Pavon and Messi switching positions a lot. I reckon Pavon could appear a lot on the right wing with Messi in the middle or on the right, as, as Sam said. Um, and the idea is going to be to yeah to keep it away from from the middle and and try and create spaces out wide. And that's going to mean those two missing Barona are absolutely absolutely vital. Uh, as well as Acuna, it's the first time we're going to see him at the World Cup. Uh, I think anyone who's listened to the to the podcast for a couple of years will know I, uh, I adore him. He's a lovely chap and. He's one of the guys who's always looked pretty effective when when he's come on for Argentina. Um, something that Acuna's got in his favour, he might not excel at any part of the game, but he's very strong all round. I'd say he's got a good engine, he's good on the ball, decent passing range, creates a, an obstacle in defence. He started as a left-back for Ferro, and he's he's a guy that, along with Enzo Perez, they're kind of these... Um, Polyfunctionale, right? Mm. Guys who can come into the team and... Multifunctional. And, yes. Or mixed. I, I just like the sound of polyfunctionale, so I decided not to translate it. Oh, I like the sound of it. I'm translating it because a lot of our listeners don't speak Spanish. So. I know. I was counting on your translation, Sam. So. Uh, so I think it's a positive change. I'm looking forward to seeing Enzo and Acuna, who are two guys who I believe have always given a very decent account of himself at international level, despite being in and out of the team. Um, and yeah obviously probably probably about five minutes into the Croatia game I'm going to be screaming at them for, for not doing what they're supposed to but it's purely on paper and how this game's kind of mapping out from what Sam Pauli has in store yeah I'm fairly positive uh, 66% positive yeah no it's clear that somebody will have to uh, move something and try to put a more risky team. Uh, and I think it will, it, uh, I see more uh, that the, this this formation or these three men in in defense and, and and then four or three in the middle and and other three in the, in the attack will have been suitable for the the other match for Iceland. Uh, and now. Uh, to be a bit more not I, I don't say defensive but more balanced team in, instead of this one in which perhaps he is more of his idea and and, and uh, something perhaps similar to the to Sabella uh, what Sabella did in the 2014 World Cup uh, in which or no the, the other way because against Bosnia he uh, put a, a, a team that the players in the in the half time were not a uh, didn't agree with that and, 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 and finally changed the famous game against Colombia I believe yes also. he finally got the tactic which took him all the way through to the World Cup final hmm. but I don't see Croatia playing in the same way that played against Nigeria in which they were very very offensive very very attacking if we have to think about Croatia as well our heads are going to explode let's just try and see what Argentina can no, but do. I think Andres has a point which is that no, from, no. From, from what I've um, Heard that there could be the possibility of I might be misremembering exactly who's coming in for who, but I think that what I um, 
saw on Twitter. Well, Kalinic has gone home, right? Was Kramari being replaced? Who, who was the uh, starting sort of well in the number ten role being replaced by Mateo Kovacic, who's a slightly deeper lying player? Um, yes. But you're quite right. One of the Kalinic's has gone home. It's not Lovre, who's the goalkeeper. Nico the Milan Nikola Kalinic has uh, left for refusing to warm up. Um, so that maybe makes Argentina's um, task a tiny bit easier. But of course, he wasn't starting anyway. That's going to be Mario Mandzukic up front. Yeah. Um, but that, if, if Kramaric does come in, uh, sorry, if Kramaric does get dropped for Kovacic for this game, then that would suggest that uh, Croatia are going to look more 4 3 3 rather than 4 2 3 1. So they're going to be looking to contest the ball in the middle of the park yeah. as well. Um, that's a hell of a midfield and that's where Argentina don't need to get bogged down what I was trying to say is that uh, perhaps Croatia won't play that offensive team but that will mean Argentina having to defend when when they lose their their ball and Croatia coming with a counter attack that a lot of space and that's a problem perhaps because Argentina suffered already already suffered and against Nigeria the the front we, we mentioned a lot of times Playing like that with a very offensive team and the the, the ball going through to the attack and, and Mascherano trying to to block it, uh, uh, well, trying to defend and was useless. Um, I, I mean that. Of, of uh, I hope that match doesn't uh, come again the next day uh, on Thursday. I mean, but it, it's a possibility for Nigeria for Croatia, like perhaps some says. Um, putting Kovacic, the Real Madrid uh, midfielder, along with uh, with Rakitic and Modric, of course, uh, perhaps a more uh, balanced midfield mm. with Rakitic. Not I don't know Rakitic, perhaps, perhaps following Messi all around, but uh, something like that. Yeah. For the life of me, I can't remember much about Croatia's game on Saturday afternoon. I was sort of in. They won it 2-0. Post-Argentina come down. And table, what can we say? And a Luka Modric penalty. Just yes, I did see that, them. yes. Good. I um struggling to picture it. <laughs> I wasn't that, that impressed, I, I remember. I game or not. Did I go out after? I, it wasn't outstanding, but their they they are strong or their <laughs> highest highlights were in the, in the, in the areas, in the boxes. Mm. Of course, with the, especially in, the, in attack with of course, Nigeria contributing a lot with an own goal and, and, and perhaps an <coughs> incredible penalty. But they were decent and they were very, very in attack. Uh, I think Nigeria was dumb, but uh, that doesn't mean Croatia weren't good. Yeah, I remember Nigeria's defender tried his very hardest to, to put a baby inside Manzukic. <laughs> yes. Um, Balogun, wasn't it? Balogun. Was Rings a bell, yes. Leon Vologan, the, the light-skinned chap, I think, um, at centre-back. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this and trying to remember. I think I only saw the second half of this one. I can't remember why I missed the first. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> the first one was the, with the own goal. Uh, it was headed by, I think it was uh, Kalin, no, Kalinic, no, uh, Kramaric, and, and mm. the defender finally introduced, introduced it into the net. But it's a, for Argentina will be, of course, uh, a match. It's a match in which they they will be their own rivals. Uh, uh, since the match they had already played against Iceland, and then against Croatia. Uh, but first of all, it will be 
a match in which they will have to find themselves and try to, of course, recover confidence because mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that's the more difficult part to start with. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it's one that I can kind of see going either way. I, I can, on the one hand, I can see Argentina barely scrambling a result and looking really awful. And on the other, I can. Yeah. And there are people saying that the World Cup and with the narrative and stuff, I always kind of think that there's always the chance that this might be the game where it clicks and, and that this is where we get excited. But and it doesn't the, seem particularly close to happening this time around. There are people that see Argentina so so down that even I think there is a question about this that they don't see a bad result as it draws a bad result, mm. uh, providing that they then have to beat Nigeria and they could advance as seconds with five points but uh, that is that is something that has to do with uh, uh, of course uh, not being very confident if you think well it's a, a draw it's not a bad result <laughs> well uh, yeah indeed and you also end up uh, perhaps ignoring the mathematics of the group um, at that point as well but that's a perfect opportunity Andres the segue that you provided to saying we do have some listeners questions and we're going to answer them after this theme music and after refilling our glasses, so don't go away. Pod. I'm internally cursing myself because I accidentally poured myself a Fernet and Coke instead of a Fernet and Tommy water during the break. Odd habits uh, I had. While I was um, giving Dan and Andres their top ups. Um, so if you hear me grimacing a little bit, you can't hear a grimace, can you? But you know what I mean. Um, then that'll be why. It's not bad with Coke, I just have grown to prefer it with tonic, that's all. Uh, anyway, Chris Hartley has recommended it to somebody or other, so thank you for that, Chris, a few days ago. Um, and then we have had some questions from listeners, which include Stephen Hooley, one of our newest Patreon supporters. So thank you very much for that, Stephen. Before we read out your question, he says, did this get noticed in Argentina? How was it received? And the this, this? in question was uh, the BBC commentator Jackie Oakley's tweet from the Argentina-Iceland match um, about Diego Maradona. Uh, smiling and waving at a bunch of South Korean fans and then looking around at his mates and pulling his eyes, doing a slanty eye gesture. Um, it turns out, for some reason, Jackie only was surprised that Diego Maradona is a raging arsehole. Um, but it, it, it got noticed to the extent that Maradona afterwards felt compelled to basically say, I know I've got a lot of fans in Asia and I really like them. As far as I can work out, he didn't actually say sorry. But Ole, on their website, reported this as Maradona apologises by saying that he really likes Asian people. Um, but no, it didn't get particularly no, widely in, reported. In this pre-PC world that is Argentina, I heard about it because I saw somebody retweet that, that tweet during the match. I think I the one that got more coverage in Argentina was the uh, startling proof that Maradona probably needs to up his allergy medication. <laughs> yes. Poor guy. 
the only thing I, I We've saw had a question about that as well I think uh, at some point but. the only thing I saw from Maradona was a photo of him smoking in smoking in a smoking free zone <laughs> Yeah. Yes, he, he did apologise for that. Ah. He said he didn't know. Ah. I mean, I, I'm not really sure how you get into a World Cup match these days without being aware that you can't smoke. But um, anyway, there we have it. Simon Clark has a non-World Cup question, which is a controversial decision, Simon, in this week of all weeks, in, in this World Cup week. But he says it's got to be, how will Bielsa go down in English oh. football I can't wait for this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And I have to say, I'm really glad that he's managing a team I strongly dislike as a Manchester United (sighs) fan. (laughs) But um, we'll need to get Seba Garcia, our resident championship expert, in at some point to tell us how Bielsa has taken that league by storm. We'll have to try. It's going to be interesting. He was definitely the man that has been uh, singled out for Leeds from the start. They've negotiated hard with him. They wanted him in the team. in charge of the team. Um, from what I understand by Leeds, it should be a match made in heaven because their directors and chairman over the last few years have been just as insane as he is. But it looks like he's going to have a decent pot to work with. Uh, he's going to bring in a lot of players over the over the summer. I'm sure he's already at home uh, sipping some mate with a stack of 700 videos to, to work out how which of the players he's going to bring in. Uh, I hope it works out because to see Bielsa in the Premier in the Premier League would probably make me want to watch Premier League games again. Andres, any thoughts? Well, I, I don't know how Leeds are now uh, in terms of the squad, yeah, the, the, the money they have. Se- championship season, right? Acceptable. Yeah. I think they dropped off a lot after That's Christmas. I hope not for you, but for Leeds United supporters that he, he does better than he did at Lille. He uh, didn't do well at Lille, but before he'd had a decent run at Marseille. He'd had a very good run at uh, Athletic Bilbao. Mm, yes, after that uh, good campaign or great campaign, arriving to the finals of the Europa League. Um, Leeds United have just finished... 13th, 13th in the championship, which is dead middle ta- mid-table. There we go. Um, so, I mean, I, I just kind of think, I mean, obviously I'm a big Bielsa fan, but I'm, I'm more of a Bielsa fan for what he's given to football than what he's really done for himself. If you, like, he, In my opinion, he's probably the most influential manager um, of the last two decades. Um, but that's not necessarily the same as saying that he's the best manager of the last two decades. You know, it, it, Pep Guardiola built on Marcelo Bielsa's ideas, as have San lots Bauli, of other managers, of Jorge Sampaoli and, and, and lots of others. Um, and in that respect, he's enormous and, and he deserves his own chapter in the writing about the history of the 21st century game, at least. But how much I would like a team I support to be managed by Marcelo Bielsa as opposed to one of Marcelo Bielsa's more successful um, disciples I'm not so sure but the, the thing is when you come to discuss Bielsa you have to separate what is uh, his ways, his manners, his ways of working than uh, the results because uh, he, he admitted that he dislikes success Yeah. so he likes to be, to be in places that it's, there is good. Well, he's at the right club. Sorry, yeah, Leeds fans. Oh. <laughs> he, he likes to uh, to to be in, in places where uh, their praise, his praise, are respected. 
well, that didn't happen in the last uh, team in at Lille. But uh, he likes more these things, the, the the structure of the club and 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 the ways that he can or or, or if he can manage, for example, the the youth divisions and that. Than the possibilities that he has to win championships or titles. Yeah. No, and, and in that respect, actually, I have to, to just row back a little bit on what I said a minute ago, which is that in, in spite of uh, not feeling that he's necessarily the best person to win trophies with, I'd still much rather be supporting a team managed by Marcelo Bielsa than one managed by Jose Mourinho, who I just dislike very strongly on is so this, many levels. It's a big change coming. Is Sam going to switch over to Leeds? No, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Completely the wrong side of the hill. Yusuf Amin says Acuna starting reportedly against Croatia. Is Dan as excited as I am? I think we've had the answer to that one already. <laughs> Yusuf also says it's only a matter of time for me. Sorry for the pessimism about. So who's going to replace Sam Pauli after the World Cup? Mm. Well, they're going to have to get a hell of a lot of money together to sack him if they're going to. Given I think his, his he's going to for yeah. four and a half years. I think he'll stay no matter what happens. If they do end up going out in the group stage, I think it's going to be a very interesting decision to make. But if they make the semi, the quarters, then certainly I think his job's safe. Yeah, I can't see him getting rid of Sampoli, even if they go out in the groups, yeah. I must say. I mean, as I say, it's going to be interesting to see whether they'll be able to afford to. It would definitely be the wrong decision to get rid of him. As for who anyway, providing there is something that is like that, well, uh, that AFA uh, says Sampoli... Okay, we will suck you. Here is your money, and they are they what? really look for for someone else. But what money? No. What money are we talking about? They're already paying severance. Yes, two but, yeah. but imagine that that happens. Well, there are no many, no, no, not a lot of names. It's no. um, Simone or Gallardo. If, and if the, it happened, yeah, I was going to say I would make Gallardo the, the quite heavy favourite, and even then they'd have to talk River into letting him go. Um, that that he would be uh, the obvious choice, and that the guys who are working in Europe are completely unaffordable. Mm-hmm. And Pochettino finally won't be to in Real yeah. Madrid, but yeah. uh, I don't see him now. If, yeah, if Madrid can't land Pochettino, uh, Argentina got a snowflake and ch- chance in hell. Indeed, Paul Richardson says, "Has the hysteria settled down, if there is any, in Argentina after the one-one draw in Ice, after the one-one draw with Iceland?" having now seen Brazil draw and Germany lose. It's still only game one. Um, the fact that you're asking the question, Paul, betrays to me that you've never been to Argentina. Mm. There's no such thing as hysteria settling down in Argentina. That's not how this country rolls. Um, but, but do you think this time it, there was it, a there recognition a that... Bit, yeah, especially, yeah. And, and with, uh, obviously, it happened after the Spain-Portugal draw as well, but now that all of the first round of matches are completed and uh, England are the only title hopefuls to have actually managed to win their game... England title. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pause to allow the irony there to sink in. I was being sarcastic. Um, but now that that's happened, um, there is a little bit of a recognition of... Uh, it, it, there are some people who are just like, right, we've still got a chance because everybody's shit. Which is my personal opinion. <laughs> it's, it's a tremendously entertaining World Cup, but I have yet to watch anybody and go, yep, this is a really good team. Um, and yeah, there, there are also some people who are like, oh, okay, maybe it's not that bad. If, if Switzerland can draw with Brazil if Mexico can beat Germany of course maybe of course if Brazil will have won 3-0 against Switzerland France will have been well they defeated Australia but very narrowly mm. uh, and if uh, uh, Colombia will have defeated Japan and, and Germany defeated Mexico well of course for Argentina will be even heavier because 
they will be thinking, oh, all of the candidates have won and we not, we, we, we haven't. But it, it's only, if, like, I know how to say Premio Consuelo, uh, it's like... Consolation Prize. Oh, yeah, well, Consolation Prize. Because uh, they, were, they were awful anyway. Uh, even when Germany was also not awful, because in the second half they, they were not lucky and they could have scored the equalizer at least. But uh, that doesn't mean, oh, well, we weren't so bad because Germany weren't able to score and Brazil were not that good. Uh, I think that's a consolation prize. And yeah. this is it. I don't know about you guys. I'm choosing to see the Iceland game as that lost pre-World Cup friendly. <laughs> the warm-up, and I believe now we might just see what Argentina are capable of. It might be completely disastrous and even worse, but I think the perhaps Croatia match is going to be a, a better a better measure of perhaps what, the, they, what they can do. The players, Argentinian players, are thinking, well, if Russia can, we also can. Because Russia have qualified to the round of 16 after winning their two games. Yeah, with only the help of a load of syringes and some brown envelopes. Wait, is this recording? Shit, no, I didn't say that. Let's get on the phone to hand pods, lawyers. Uh, if, if any Russian uh, football federation, or whatever you're called, lawyers, uh, are listening to this, then just that was a joke. Just just ignore it. We love you really, Vladimir. Um, yeah, Premier Consuelo sounds a bit like she could be the star of a Mexican telenovela, incidentally. Yes. Just, yeah. I just thought it when Andres said it. But uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's... We'll see. Yeah. Stephen Ray has a related question, simple question. Is it must win or must not lose against Croatia? Must not lose. Definitely. Absolutely must not lose. And if there's any way of doing it, then I would say must win as well. Because after the performance in the friendly last November, I would not want to have to go into that match against Nigeria, <laughs> desperate for a win. Um, if, if Argentina, Croatia finishes in a draw, then Croatia have four points, Argentina have two, which means that if... Iceland could get a win over Nigeria. They would be on then, four. Then they'd be on four as well. And the draw between Croatia and Iceland would send it down to goal difference if Argentina Argentina would need to beat Nigeria as heavily as possible, wouldn't they? Um, and I wouldn't want that to be the situation if I were Argentine going into that match because Nigeria... Nigeria might have lost to Argentina in every World Cup game they've played. Well, sorry, they have lost to Argentina. There's no might talk about it uh, in every World Cup game they've played. But every time, and in the friendly as well, they always go at them. And this current Argentina team, on the one hand, I kind of think, well, the Croatia game could end up being a little bit easier because Croatia aren't going to sit back as much as Iceland did. They're going to open up more space. That's going to give Argentina a bit more space to attack. But it also could be, given how fragile the Argentine defence is, Maybe it is the best way of doing it. You know, because it's, it's one thing going, Argentina's attitude is, oh, well, you know, if you score three, then we'll score four. But actually, if Argentina manages to score three, then they might let in four at the other end themselves. Um, so it kind of works both ways. So I would say must not lose, but also above everything, I think, just must but improve of, of, a lot. Of course, then you will depend on the other results. And uh, the better results in that case will be also draw between Nigeria and Iceland. Mm. Uh, Yes, but you will depend. You won't be on your own, of course. No, indeed. Uh, Stephen Hooley says, uh, has another question. Do you expect any changes of personnel or formation for the Croatia game? We've we've answered that one already, I think. 
Um, a draw against them wouldn't be a bad result. They have plenty of players with Champions League experience. This, this was the comment you mentioned earlier, um, Andres. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it wouldn't, but on the other, you know, Argentina have got loads of players with Champions League experience as well, and it's not sort of. I don't think it would help them that much. As, as I say, it's, it's definitely must not lose again to go over Stephen Ray's question, but I really think that they need a win. They do. I'd say this game is possibly the second real uh, big test we've had at this World Cup behind Spain and Portugal where two very evenly matched teams are just going in and you can expect some, some fireworks. Hmm. That's why I'm looking forward to it. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says Argentina again relied on Messi to get them out of jail. The defence is still suspect. Surely changes will be made for Croatia, Pavon being one of them. Yes, we've gone over those already, so we've preempted your question there, Liam. Sorry. Uh, and then he says, shouldn't be concerned after one game, but I can see a group stage exit if they perform similar. Yeah, so can I. Yeah, I, I said this very quietly to a few friends um, prior to the tournament. Uh, and in fact, not so quietly on a, a YouTube um, channel interview that I did a few weeks ago as well uh, for a Nigerian or a, an American Nigerian journalist, um, that I, I could see them being embarrassed with the way they were preparing. And I don't think it'll happen, but it's edging a little bit closer, maybe. Simon Clark says, also, has anyone got a remedy for El Diego's hay fever? I don't know. No. I, I haven't. I mean, I recommend some antihistamines to him to help me. Yeah. But I don't know whether they work if you take them together with massive Cuban cigars and enormous amounts of cocaine. So, who knows? Uh, so Ronnie, I try, I guess. Ronnie Mazumda says, he just got in here while we were recording, just on time. Huge fan of Andres from Canada. Even my wife, who doesn't like football, listens to Hand of Pod. Very good taste, that lady. Well done. Yeah. Thank you, Ronnie. For Croatia, it seems Biglia and Mascherano together is ditched. What do you expect for the general game plan? Um, why does Messi still drop and carry the ball forward? Is there not a guy called Lo Celso there? Doesn't so look like there will be, to it, be honest. It looks as if, at the moment, based on today's training session, it looks like Maxi Mesa is going to be the player who's, who's brought in in place of Biglia, um, who is the Independiente midfielder, who we've mentioned quite a bit, plays more as a winger for Independiente in a 4-2-3-1, played in that position in a 4-2-3-1 for Argentina the other day. But he can also play central midfield. Um, and he's got quite a good engine, so I think that he would be a decent option there. Enzo Perez is a little older and a little less mobile, but he does have the experience at World Cups, of course. Um, but yeah, I think that the whole idea is going to be to get Messi the ball higher up the pitch, which is something that we have said so many times in the seven and a half years yes. and 299 episodes that we've been recording this podcast now. Um, that I, I don't know how many times we've, we've said it. I don't know whether, how you'd be able to count how many times we've said it. But perhaps, just maybe, um, we now have an Argentina manager post Alejandro Sabela who realises that that's the way that you need to play with him. Please, God. But we'll see. Because it's so difficult to second-guess Jorge Sampaoli. This is the other thing. As I say, he keeps second-guessing himself, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, but even when he was good, <laughs> even before he became the worst manager in the history of football, uh, he was always quite difficult to second guess, and, and that was one of his strengths when he was with Chile. Um, so, yeah, it's tricky. I don't think Lochelso's coming into the plan at the moment, though, is he really? It doesn't look like it, At no. least for the starting, definitely not. That seems really, really weird because uh, you say, well, a lot of changes. Hmm. 
They ha- he have been practicing with Lachelso a lot, and yeah. now it's again out of the the eleven starting. Well, Lachelso started one hundred percent of Argentina's pre-tournament friendlies. Yes, and you yeah, say well, not Mesa, you know. and you 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 mean in Superes and, and with a not very numbered midfield. You mean Salvio Mascherano and, and him. Yeah, uh, and it's dangerous because he's uh, providing his physical form that. Ten days ago, he was at the beach in the beach at in Rio, Rio de Janeiro. That's not some, not doesn't uh, seem to be very smart. Uh, so yes, if it's not uh, Mesa, I, I will say uh, Lachelso. But well, uh, perhaps in these training sessions that have been uh, playing these days, Lachelso wasn't that good. That's the only explanation I could I could find because if not, it's really strange. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we've also had a question from email from Jimmy Lee, hello Jimmy, who says, not sure whether you're recording a pod before or after, oh sorry, just, just, <laughs> the answer is yes, we are recording a pod before the Croatia match. Uh, his question, however, is, I know it's the oldest question about Dybala and Messi. Yes, he said it. But is there any chance that we see Dybala playing in this World Cup other than to replace Messi if he gets suspended or injured? Mm. Dybala himself gave an interview today, didn't he, in which he basically appeared to say, I don't think I've got much of a chance. I didn't see that, to be honest. It begs the question, why did they take him to the World Cup then? If he was only going to be under study for someone who's not going to be dropped for any reason. I mean, I would... If you want to stick with a 4-2-3-1, which obviously Sampaoli doesn't, Mm. but if if that was the plan, I would at least have thought about bringing Dybala in on the right. And this is after some of the responses that I've given to listeners in the past who've said, why can't Dybala and Messi play together? Well, it's because... They Dybala haven't so far. Strong, but I mean, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have wanted to look at it in training, um, yeah. at least, and he doesn't seem to have done. Although, having said that, the press have only been given access to 15 minutes of Argentina's pre- training sessions each day. Mm. So, for all we know, Sampaoli is doing one thing in front of the cameras, and then, once the press have all pissed off, is doing exactly <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> and he's playing Willy Caballero up front, and Franco Armani at right back, it's, or whatever. Is it um, very silly to say, why not Dybala at least... To be a long, long, a long distance shooter or or medium distance. This actually, that's interesting. When um, Brazil scored against whoever it was they were playing, Switzerland, Switzerland. The, that Coutinho goal. I was looking at the replays and I thought, this is something that Argentina don't really have. I mean, we, we've talked about how Argentina don't really have central midfielders of any description apart from Eva Vanega. Yeah. Um, and, and how, compared with the players they used to produce, that's, that's a real weak spot for them now. But I just kind of, I can't help but think that if they have one player who reliably could at least test the goalkeeper from that kind of range from where Coutinho scored, it wouldn't half open up, or help to open up defences at least. Well, if, if, if you're an Icelandic defender and you're told, right, let's line up in line with the penalty penalty box mm-hmm. and the midfielders are told to line up sorry in line with the penalty spot and the midfielders are told to line up in line with the 18 yard line and you've got a player on the opposing team who's good at long shots and who's on the ball 30 yards out just maybe a couple of you are thinking oh shit should I close him down or not and maybe that helps to open up a space even if that player doesn't shoot whereas Argentina have Lucas Biglia and Javier Mascherano or I mean even Banega's long distance shooting isn't mm-hmm. he's not bad at it but he's not spectacular at it you know whereas there are other teams there who've got more of a threat from that range. But isn't it the law that if you try a long-range shot, you get excommunicated from the Church of Bielsa? I wish it was, because Nicolas Otamendi tried a couple. Yes. Which was <laughs> horrendous. 
One of them cleared the stadium roof, I think. It was awful. Yeah. I think even Macherano had a guy. Macherano, yeah. who last scored a goal in 1997, maybe? That sounds about right. Oh, he scored uh, six goals during his time at Barcelona. Cool. Or seven, was it? Only one of them was for Barcelona, and the other ones were all well, yeah. goals. And he was uh, there for three decades, so yeah. it's not that great average. Anyway, uh, to answer Jimmy's question, sorry to, to drag this back on topic, um, is there a chance that we'll see Dybala play? At the moment, it doesn't look like mm. it, but if they're disappointing again against Croatia, then who knows? Everything might get torn up and start again. But yeah, perhaps if they need to go boost the war against Nigeria, you could see a dual messi Dybala axis behind Nuevo and then... Yeah. Another three forwards in a two-one-seven. In terms of in terms of the changes that are expected, actually, I have to say I've just remembered when you were saying that um, we've only really brushed over it. We mentioned him by name, but we didn't really talk very much about Christian Pavon coming in for Angel Di Maria at last. The change that I, if I was Argentina manager, would have made to the starting lineup last November. Certainly after the Haiti game, I would have made it. I would have had Pavon starting ahead of Di Maria against Iceland. Uh, but yeah, finally the performance against Iceland when, I mean, Di Maria, if I hadn't been paying so much attention to the game because I was live tweeting it and because I knew we were going to be talking about it here and because, you know, I write about Argentine football for some of my living. Um, Di Maria would have been the player who, until he was subbed off, I literally wouldn't have noticed he was on the pitch. I can't remember anything that he did at all. He did nothing. I mean, I, I know that that's like nothing. a set phrase and that it's something that you say to say, I thought this guy had a really bad game. I have no idea whether Di Maria had a bad game. He didn't. Game I saw someone tweet... Uh, anything. No, I saw someone tweet the stats earlier and it was zero goals, obviously. Zero assists. Zero touches of the ball. Zero dribbles. Uh, and zero chances created. So. Yeah. Whereas Pavon, within two minutes of coming on, had set up a decent chance and then been hacked down for what should have been a penalty. Well, been tripped, sorry, not hacked down, but for what probably should have been a penalty um, and, and wasn't. Yeah, the referee there said, well, I gave you a penalty, I won't give you two. I think that's yeah. probably the case. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm glad for Pavon, obviously, as a river sympathiser, we're not supposed to say this, but I would, I would have had Pavon in the starting lineup ahead of Di Maria anyway and it, he's going to be by but all accounts on Thursday that's something also something strange not, not strange but uh, uh, that wouldn't have happened some time ago which is that we are asking for the player that plays in the local in the, well Argentina yeah. uh, and to, to, to quit the, the, the one who plays in Europe which is strange now uh, not strange now but it would have been strange uh, Two, three years ago, I, I think. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels a bit weird for me to be saying it, but I just I, I think Pavon deserves it. And the other thing is that within a month or so of this World Cup ending, Pavon isn't going to be a player who's playing in the Argentine Super League. Yes, that's <laughs> he's going to be one of the European. Boca are going to do everything they can to make that happen. Fifty million, fifty million release colours yeah. in the contract. Boca have just managed to screw up selling Lisandro Magashan for nine million, though, haven't they? Apparently, yeah, they've got I the track record. They're not very good at selling negotiations. And well, that. So that proves that they can't sell players they do want to sell. So I, I read, how are they going to sell a player they don't want to sell? I read that he renewed, renewed, renewed the contract, but that doesn't mean that he won't be sold. sold mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, but yes, it won't be cheap, of course, because uh, if Boca has a, a chance to win the Copa Libertadores with Pavón in their, in their squad, yes. uh, so it sounds that if he's sold, he will, it will be, not, I don't know, if 50 million, but for a high sum of money. Yeah. And they'll do everything they can to delay it until December. 
Okay, it'll be what he's worth, in, in my opinion. I, I mean, we, we slagged him off for the first year or so of his first team career, but in the last 12 months, he has managed to... I don't know whether he's removed the bucket from his head, but he's cut a couple of eye holes in it, at least. And right. I, I think he's come on tremendously, especially just, just in the last four or five months um, in, during Bocca's title run. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I've, I've gone from being sceptical to being a big fan of him now. Uh, weird as it feels to say it. <laughs> I think those are all of the questions, gents. Should we chuck out a couple of predictions? <sighs> do you want to do that? I don't want. If you uh, want. When is the Nigeria game? What day of the week is it? Tuesday. Tu- okay. So. Might be able to squeeze a recording. Well, on this Monday. is what I'm trying to I'm trying to work out when we should record Hand of Pod 300 because I, Mondays aren't good for me. Um, and yeah, I feel like we should try and get it in between matches again. So we'll have to see. But let's predict the Croatia game. Yes. And then perhaps we can reconvene on maybe Friday or Saturday. Will either of you be able to do those? Mm, it's really weird doing Friday. this on air. Yeah, Friday possibly. Friday During possibly. the day? Yeah, an earlier one on Friday that would be good. That suits me because Friday evening again is, is out for me. Excellent. So, okay. Should we get our... Um, I I think, books out, like you know, oh, no, today's books. Tuesday, isn't it? It's early yeah. than normal. This must be riveting for our listeners, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so there you have it, listeners. What we, time can that speak? <laughs> we, we might be back very soon, um, at least Dan and I, to review um, that game. Andres, yeah. if you can make it, you're welcome as well, obviously. I'll send the email yeah. out. Um, but, uh, right, so for Argentina, Croatia, I'm going to go 2-1 to Argentina. I'm closing my eyes as I say it. I already said 2-2 for uh, our... The pick the score quest. Oh, we're in a competition. Uh, Should I check Me what I've Sam? predicted? No, I go, you know. It doesn't mean you're going to be a, any writer, to be honest. Uh, let's see. I, I think I went 2 1 to Argentina, actually, as it happens. Yeah. I think that's why it was in my head. Yes, I went 2 1 to Argentina, oh, yeah. so I'm being entirely consistent here. I'm going to say 2 2. Share the points, and it all comes down to Nigeria. And Andres? Sorry, I refuse to review. <laughs> I prefer not. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to go away now. You'll hear yes. from us again on Friday afternoon, hopefully talking about uh, a thumping 5-0 victory for Argentina. <laughs> I'm sure that's what will happen. Oh, we'll have to do it after the matches are finished, though. That's fine. And, unless we can watch one while we're... I do have a television, You do have a television. Yes. I'm I forgetting, yes. And, and I, this gift. I've got DirecTV and I'm watching all of the matches on the DirecTV channels and so I forget that people who don't have DirecTV actually can watch most of the World Cup as well. Us peasants um, do get to yeah. watch the games as well. I'll be a peasant soon as well. We're getting rid of it after the World Cup. Wonderful. I'm going to miss it. But anyway, that's not an advert for DirecTV by the way. I, I am going to miss it but we're getting rid of it because their customer service is absolutely appalling. So if you live in Argentina and you're thinking of getting DirecTV, don't. Unless you're really desperate to spend that's loads of money on one sponsor down the toilet, Sam. Yeah, but fuck them. They're... they're, 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 they're <laughs> Balls us around so much in the last few months with overcharging us for things that I'm, I'm not bothered. Um, anyway, for now, dear listeners, thank you very much for listening to us for 299 episodes of complete and total bollocks most of the time. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. We will be back apparently later this week, which is going to feel really weird, for Hand of Pod number 300. And uh, for now, it's thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. From English Dan. Goodbye and thank you for listening. And from me, goodbye. Goodbye.